Welcome to the Relax It's Retirement podcast with Josh Leonard from Leonard Advisory Group. In this podcast, we help those nearing retirement greet it with a well-prepared smile. Join Josh and his guests to learn the retirement and tax planning tips you need so you too can live your golden years with the happiness and excitement you deserve. Hear stories from his years of experience to help you transition into a fun and intentional retirement. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the Relax It's Retirement podcast with your host, Josh Leonard, where we talk about transitioning into retirement with intent. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hey there, Josh. How are you? Good, good, good. How are you today, Wendy? I'm good. We were joking around a little bit in the uh, the pre-recording era of this. I called you Joshy, which I find adorable. Did anybody ever call you Joshy? Only my great grandmother. So, oh, you oh. know, that brings back some different memories. But yeah. um, did you call her you know- Granny? No, we call we have very odd names on my mom's side. Of, she was Pocky. Pocky. Hmm, never heard of that one. Yeah, I can't actually explain the origin of that, but there is um Pocky sticks, which are like sort of like pretzels. Okay. I guess they're sort of like chocolate covered pretzels. Like okay. a little snack, an old time kind of candy thing. So the, I don't know if that's Did the reference. Give you but- those or <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually I remember York peppermint patties being in her candy dish. Yum, I like those. She, she lived um in a small town just outside of Cleveland, Ohio, near the train tracks. So fond memories of a kid were she had a cuckoo clock, which was super cool. York oh, peppermint yeah. patties and walking along the railroad tracks. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. My grandmother, same thing. One grandmother lived right next to railroad tracks, like literally would shake the house right next to the railroad tracks. And the other one had a cuckoo clock. Ah, yeah. Cool stuff. And actually, I think my my mom inherited that. So it became part of our household at one point, too. Very, very fun stuff. Uh, So today we're going to be talking about times that you should be ignoring the market. Just 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 ignore it. Pay it no mind. Pay no attention. So that's it. We're going to talk about five reasons to ignore the market when you do retire. So, you know, I think that's it. We have people all the time. If the market's doing really good, people are worried it's going to end, right? If it's doing really bad, well, we got to pull all of our money out. <laughs> right. We're never happy. <laughs> it's a cycle, right? And and investors, as humans, we go through the ups and downs with it. And there's a lot of material that has told us that Investing for the long term is the best way to invest, right? Mm -hmm. We look at some of the most famous investors like Warren Buffett. Well, you know, Warren Buffett is not 20 years old. He was not an overnight success. He did things consistently for a very long period of time, and those returns compounded. Right. There's the old Chinese proverb, Wendy, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, and the next best time is today. Right. Now, 10 years into growing that tree, you don't chop it down for firewood, right? You you let it keep growing. Right. So same type thing with investing. But for many folks, they near retirement and they say, okay, well, now I shouldn't be invested, right? Because I'm going to need the money now. Exactly. So reason number one, I'd say even in retirement, you still have a long timeline. Oh, okay. So this is what I'm figuring out, okay, that after the accumulation phase, 
that that's when we're really, you know, looking to, you know, look at the long term and and plan, plan, plan. And then when you do get to retirement, you're still going to have certain investments that are still blocked for the long term. Yep. Yep. I would say, you know, that's it. In your working years, you're really in that accumulation phase. So if we think of it like a mountain, right, we're climbing the mountain, we're trying to get to the top, that retirement date where, sorry to break it to you, no one's going to give you a golden watch. And no one's probably going to notice that you're gone. But you know what? You're free now. So, (laughs) um, but once we hit that peak of the mountain, we need to come back down, right? And that decumulation and preservation phase is, is retirement. And for many folks, just like climbing Mount Everest, right? You get to the top. That doesn't mean you're done. You don't just skip back down to the bottom. More well, there's an elevator, right? That's right. Yeah, an elevator, helicopter. <laughs> um, for most folks that get injured on the mountain, it's on that descent in coming back down. That's where you can make mistakes. So I'd say in not staying invested, at least with a portion of the money, mm-hmm. in and, and keeping that mindset that you still have a decent timeline, at least for a portion of the money, we see people get beat by things like inflation or they are not earning enough on their wealth to get them to the finish line, especially if they live a long time. For a 67-year-old couple retiring today, there's a 23% chance that one of the two of them will live at least 30 years. Wow. So 67 plus 30, that's 97 years old. That's old. That's still a long time, right? Yeah. I'm relatively young, at least I like to think. I, uh, my timeline to retirement hopefully isn't that long. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm planning to be on retired 30 years from now. Uh-huh. Uh, I think one of the other things that has come out over the years through several studies is we have a longer life expectancy with higher income or wealth on average. And if we think about it and break that thought down a little bit, it makes sense. If you have more money, you know, up to a certain level, you have better access to healthcare, right? Mm-hmm. One of the alarming things that that I heard a few years ago is a lot of people wait to do medical procedures until after they get their tax refund. Okay. That's kind of terrifying if you have yeah. like a major health issue and you're going to wait No, you should address that, right? So presumably, if you have the money to address it right away, then whatever that problem is, isn't lingering as long. So access to healthcare would be one reason there that, uh, you know, that timeline might be longer if you have more wealth. Also, lifestyle factors or career. So maybe in your career, it was a less physically demanding job as you got older, or maybe, uh, you know, rates of smoking or things like that can be lower. There is a correlation there too um, with wealth over time. So if you're sitting in a upper middle class position where you've saved a fair amount for retirement, that timeline is most likely a little bit longer than than someone that's really struggled. So keep in mind, you have a long timeline. So the day-to-day market activity is sort of irrelevant. So that would be reason number one, Wendy. You still have a long time, right? So not everything has to be stuffed under the mattress on the day you retire. When is another time we're going to be just ignoring the market? I would say when you've planned appropriately for your income. So second reason, if you've made that plan where maybe the next six to 10 years of income are accounted for, the rest of that money can still be invested. When we look at the stock market over longer periods of time, It's gone up historically. If we look over a 15-year time period, our probability of 
your deposit being worth more at the end of that is somewhere around 99%, right? So not guaranteed. You've optimized your social security. So you're getting the most out of that, maybe something like your pension. You have that longer timeline with a portion of assets. For anything else that you might need to be pulling out, including your required minimum distributions, that should be in your income bucket that you can draw from and is invested in a more stable manner. You know, in today's market, CD rates over a short term are even as high as 5%. So great, put that money that you might be using in two years from now into a CD and it doesn't matter if the market's down over the next year. So I wanted to know if you have, say, your Social Security and you have a pension, are you then trying to, and I know it depends on, you know, the situation, but is the last resort the 401k and the RMDs? Yeah. So it depends, Wendy, right? So it's never that simple. Well, that's what I I thought. Yeah. I mean, I I think, and this becomes part of uh, just planning in general, right? If you have enough income coming in from your social security and pension, right? Let's say that you are a teacher and you worked another job in the summer. So you have pretty good pension and you're getting social security as well. Maybe that's enough for you to live off of. But if you had also saved as a teacher in a 403B or have a 401k from maybe your summer job or put money aside in an IRA, come age 73, you're going to be forced to take distributions from that plan. So we need to plan for that income coming in as well, even if you don't need it. And it might make sense to take some of that earlier in retirement. If in your plan, it means it would be optimized if we're taking some of that ahead of time. Well, then that shouldn't be as aggressively invested, right? In order to be able to ignore the short-term fluctuations in the market, we want to have any of those factors over the next six to 10 years already put into the plan and allocate your assets appropriately for that. Hmm. Okay. Let's talk about taxes. Let's talk about taxes. Tax plan is a great way to help reduce market risk or the need for you to take market risk. So if you're doing tax efficient things, Morningstar ran a report, I think it was back in 2014, that they called Advisor Gamma, which was sort of this tax gain that an advisor can help you generate as a client. And they equated that to about a 1.82% additional rate of return by appropriate tax planning. So your after-tax return would be almost 2% higher by implementing some of these strategies over time. So if you're getting 2% more just by appropriately tax planning, that's 2% less risk that you need to take in the market, right? Okay. Our allocation can be a little bit more conservative. Some of those things might be tax-efficient giving, right? So using things like we've talked about in the past, like qualified charitable distributions. Once you're required to take that RMD, if you're giving money to church or the local food bank, get that money direct from your IRA to that charitable entity, and it's a non-taxable event. If you send it to your bank account, then write a check, that's taxable. Right. So let's not do that. We're going to avoid that. That is saving you more money and getting more money to the charity and less to Uncle Sam. Another thing or common strategy that we share with clients is gifting stocks to kids rather than cash. So if you have a, a, a kid that maybe 
is finishing their doctorate or they're just taking their time to get off the launching pad and mom and dad are still helping them out in retirement, maybe we look at some of those stocks that are highly appreciated and gift those over to the kids rather than selling assets and giving the kids the cash. Okay, that makes sense. The advantage there is the kid pays the capital gains tax. Well, if the kid isn't making much money or any money at all, they might not actually pay capital gains tax on it. Thus, you're saving 15%. I was just going to say, well, you're just you just threw the kids under the bus. But no, you you know, it happens. It happens. Right. (laughs) Um, We have a a wedding coming up uh, with one of my high school friends, and I'm 35 now, Wendy. And I have a friend who is has his doctorate in neuropsychology. Well, you know what? It took him a couple more years than the rest of us to get through school, right? It seems uh, that way. Right. So in that case, even if your kid is is very intelligent and working very hard, they might need a little bit more assistance as they go through, you know, eight to 10 years worth of school. Wendy, I also wanted to mention that we have a webinar coming up on July 12th at 11 a.m. Eastern, where we'll dig in a little bit more deeper into these five reasons to ignore the market when you retire. So if you listen today and you think, hey, this sounds like some good information, maybe I need to dig deeper into, go ahead and jump on that webinar. We'll have a link in the show notes for you. So, uh, you know, I, I think another way that we can work with tax planning to get some of that additional return for tax is looking at how we're withdrawing. So from our income plan, how are we pulling money out? And can we do that in a more tax advantageous way? We would say that's also asset location versus asset allocation. Okay. So if we have things that maybe are generating a lot of um, a lot of capital gains on an annual basis, maybe we want to put that in a tax deferred account so it's not adding to our taxable income if we're not actually spending it. Okay. So things like that, coordinating the plan. Now, if we're getting that extra one to two percent in return by appropriate tax planning, again, that's a reason that we can kind of help ignore the market. We're able to say less risk. I can ignore the market a little bit more because I'm getting more out of the money I have by appropriately planning. What is tax loss harvesting? Yeah. So you go out to the field, Wendy, and all those taxes that are growing out in the field, you chop them down with a sickle. Oh, (laughs) this is what I want. I want to lose tax money. Yeah. So tax loss harvesting would be looking at an after-tax portfolio. And looking maybe to sell off some winners paired with some losers to offset. So let's say that you bought Amazon stock 10 years ago, right? Well, you have a huge capital gain in that. So it's grown really big. It's a big piece of your portfolio. You want to sell off some of it, but it's going to cost you a lot in taxes. Well, maybe your Facebook stock that you bought last year is down significantly. So you can sell off that to help offset some of the gains on the Amazon stock. So it's tax loss harvesting. Another similar example that we'll do with clients is at the end of the year, we look at income and say, hey, your income was a little bit lower than we thought. We could sell some of our stocks with a gain and still fall in a category where we're not paying capital gains. If we wait, that might not be the case in the future. So we can sell off that stock, buy a similar asset or you know, follow the rules and buy it back in a given period of time. So that would be tax loss harvesting and some other tax strategies that we could use there. Okay, that sounds good. 
Yep. I think in tax advantaged accounts too, we think about uh, maybe some of those surprise expenses we get, right? Our car wore out a little bit quicker than we thought and we need a down payment for a car. If we're pulling all that money out of an IRA or 401k, it's fully taxable. If instead we're taking that down payment out of a Roth IRA, it's a non-taxable event. So we can still follow our tax plan for that year. Got it. What about market corrections? Well, they certainly happen. And that's almost a certainty. It's going to happen again, right? The market goes up, it comes down. The squiggly line over the long term goes up and to the right. But over the short, short term, it can be all over the place. So you need to plan for that. So one reason that you can ignore the market is you can say, yep, we planned for that. When you're preparing for retirement, you don't want to be terrified of the market and stay a million miles away from it. Rather, you want to factor that into the plan. So like we talked about with having enough income, if you have six to 10 years worth of income planned out, great. You can take the fluctuations of a market correction over that six to 10 year time period and forget about it. So factoring in market corrections, looking at the assets that you have and how they reacted you know, over the last year or maybe in 2008 and, and sort of looking at how that would impact your plan is an important exercise when preparing for retirement. If you do that, you've already planned for those corrections so you can ignore the short-term activity. You need to stick to your plan. Stick to the plan. That's going to be a key piece in many things that I say, Wendy. Yeah, that's the part I have problems with. <laughs> well, and I think sometimes that is the value of working with an advisor or other professionals, right? So even in training for an Ironman or any of these other things we do in life, sometimes we get off track, right? So having someone else to check in with you and say, hey, Wendy, uh, you were supposed to be doing this interval training for running this week. Uh, why didn't you do it? Well, then you have an accountability partner that can help you stay on track. So you're like my money coach. Money coach. That, and that's you're a good be way to look at it. Going over my um, my debit card statement with a fine tooth comb and saying, you went to Starbucks how many times this week? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that is that can be a negative way that people look at it. I would say what's important to you, right, Wendy? Is it more important for you to go to Starbucks every day or is it more important to have a little bit money to take an extra trip every year or you know, buy a I, boat? Buy a boat. OK. All right. So every time that, I want to spend something frivolously, I just have to say, boat. OK. So that's it. I, I think we all have limitations, right? So we can criticize expenses, but for some people, maybe that cup of coffee is like their enjoyment. That's their mental break in the morning. You know, they, they get that cup of coffee at Starbucks and they just sit there in the peace and quiet and prepare for their day. Great. That might be worth the however much money, three to seven dollars. You five something now for yeah. a regular coffee. Depending on what you get. The more whipped cream and sugar, the more expensive at Starbucks, right? And the more worth it, I got to say. <laughs> uh, maybe you live in Seattle and you need that afternoon pick-me-up, right? Isn't that where it was originated for that reason? Yeah. 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 I think coffee culture has been strong for a long time in Seattle because it's yeah. sort of that reputation of gloom and doom. A little dreary. And then finally, we have 
an emergency fund. If we have a good emergency fund, we can totally ignore the market. I think so. Again, it helps. So we think about emergency expenses, right? The roof starts leaking, the water heater breaks, and the car breaks down in the same month. It's not wise at any stage of life to just start throwing all that on a credit card, right? Right. If you're throwing it on a credit card, it means that you've been maybe running your budget too tight to begin with. So stop looking at it's me. Gonna, it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna cause you a lot of problems in the long term. So, you know, especially with interest rates higher now, if you're gonna be paying 28% interest on that water heater, oh yeah, boy, that's gonna hurt. Yeah. Uh, so general rule, we say three to six months worth of expenses should be in an emergency fund. We'll tack on that if you know you're going to need to buy a car in the next two years, let's keep that down payment for a car in there, too. So even in retirement, we need to have a ample emergency fund. So in that example we talked about earlier, Wendy, where if you have Social Security and a pension and maybe that's enough for your monthly expenses or maybe even a little bit more than you need we could lean towards that three-month limit. Now, if that's not the case, you want to be closer to six months. If you also maybe still have some other family members that are dependent on you, where their broken-down car could become your problem, six months is probably a better, a better range for you to focus on. If you know next year you're going to need to buy a new car, okay, let's also put that down payment into that emergency fund too so it's stable, liquid, and ready to go. What we see at all ages of life is that lack of emergency fund can be a cascade into bigger financial problems, right? Yes. That water heater with 28% interest, that becomes really, really expensive. That's never a deal. Yep. And, and, and sometimes people lose the balance of all these different factors. And if they're still working, well, they just kind of let that credit card debt hang out for too long because they know that they need to be saving for retirement too. Yeah. So an emergency fund is a critical part at any age. But in retirement, when you don't have that paycheck coming in from work or maybe a bonus coming up you know, at the end of the year or something like that, that emergency fund can help you bridge the gap. And again, not worry about the market because you have that money readily available. You're not needing to sell a stock when it happens to be down over the short term. What do you think the most important thing is then to help, you know, those that are a little anxious about the market and their money? What's the most important thing? Yeah. Sticking with a plan, Wendy, enables you to go through the ups and downs that come with retirement like any stage of life. In all of the five examples we ran through today of ways that we can ignore the market, all of them root back to proper planning. Just like with anything else, if you use that plan... It might change a little bit over time, but having that baseline, that focus of what you're working towards can help you in troubling times. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of folks that do their own planning. If you're one of those folks listening today, great. Take these factors that we talked about, factor them into your plan. If you're working with a financial professional that isn't helping you on some of these items, or maybe it's just dealing with the portfolio management, and when you call them, they say, Ah, just stick with it. Just stick with it. Just stick with it. But they're not asking you if you need a new car next year. And they're not checking in that you have that emergency fund. They're not helping you with tax planning. It might be time to talk to another advisor and see if there might be a better fit out there to help you with all of your needs. Get yourself a new money coach. I think so. That would be a, a 
certainly a helpful way yes. uh, to, to help alleviate some of that stress. Part of our job as your financial advisor is to help you through those troubling times and help you with those money decisions. Now, you had brought up the Iron Man that is coming up for you. I wanted to give you a little shout out, tell you to, um, yeah, again, we're not supposed to say good luck. We're supposed to say, you got this. You got this, Joshy. You know, I have to say, Wendy, uh, you know, the there was a business coach that we worked with that always used to say the hay's in the barn, right? Like the work's already been done. I already okay. did the training. You're trained. So, you know, pending any catastrophes. It's done. It's done. Now it's fun, right? The actual event is fun because I did all the work leading up to it. Good for you. Now, are you a little worried that you're not going to be able to sleep the night before? Well, you know what? I can start getting prepared at 4.30 in the morning. So if I'm not sleeping, I'll just go there, start getting my wetsuit on to jump in cold Lake Michigan. So, As, as with everything, <laughs> you got to stick to the plan. That's right. I got to stick with the plan there. I'm not going to suddenly buy new gear tomorrow and try to, you know, switch up my whole routine last minute. I prepared for this and I'm going to go through with my plan with it. Well, we are all rooting for you. I cannot wait to hear how it all went. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy. How can we get in touch with you, Josh? Sure. You can always uh, drop us a line, giving us a call at 412-998-PLAN. You can email me at jleonard at leonardadvisorygroup.com or check out our website at leonardadvisorygroup.com. And thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Relax, It's Retirement podcast, the show that helps you transition into a happy, fun, and intentional retirement. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.leonardadvisorygroup.com or give us a call at 412-998-PLAN. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Leonard Advisory Group, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service professionals with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.